Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app or subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. I totally got to confess, I was waiting for you to put record and I was going to say something right at the beginning to mess with it, but then I decided not to. So well, well done on your intro. Um, we already show, did a, a messed up intro last week, Aaron. Was it last week we did the messed the up intro? the week before, something like that, yeah. I don't remember. I just remember sometimes sometimes you just got to break the ice. I, I get you. Uh, but in my intro portion, we love to answer questions uh, on a regular basis. And so please, uh, if you have those questions, keep sending them in. We try and take time every week uh, to answer those questions. We won't get to it this week, unfortunately, uh, just based upon the podcast and some different things. So uh, be looking for those in the future. Uh, but if you have questions as you're reading along or you're listening to us banter back and forth and talk uh, to each other about the Bible, feel free to send those questions in. Uh, you can email them to infogrove.church. Uh, we take those questions and we look them over and try and answer them as best as we can every week. Um, and the, Or you can also jump on the Facebook page for the Grove Church. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. We have a campus in Marysville and Snohomish. Uh, and you can direct message the Grove Church in Washington uh, there on Facebook. And we also get those questions there as well. So we'd love for you to send those ones in to us. I will never forget. Um, I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, but Aaron had a couple sign up for life groups, be really excited to go. And then the week before realized that this was the Grove Church in Washington, not the Grove Church yes, in Arizona. <laughs> so they were like, wait a second. It's like a problem on our end because I didn't feel, think I had to ask that question because yeah. I was the one. I was like, the one it says it's going to be 28 connected. hours to get to our life group. Yeah, that was kind of funny. So oh, yeah, man. we're in Washington State. That's why I say we have two campuses that we don't get as confused. Uh, Grove Church, we have a little green leaf. There you uh, go. Logo. So. Uh, so as far as as far as resources that we're using today, the ESV Study Bible and the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Yes. Uh, we by, should also say too, just to interrupt you, go for it. Um, just to give you a prelude, we'll probably mention this at the end as well. Um, but we, the next week, uh, we will not actually be having a podcast. Evan and I are both are out of town, uh, so we're going to be taking a break from the podcast for a week, um, which is a little sad. You know, this is where you cue the oh music, but we don't have that ability yet. Um, but we are excited about two weeks from now, we're going to be jumping in the book of Romans. We just started it uh, this last week. We jumped in the book of Romans. We're going to continue reading it over this next week. And then we're going to deep dive into that in two weeks from now. And that one might have to be a two-parter. That might be a two-parter. We'll but it is it is such a deep book and a phenomenal book that we want to make sure we take some time to work through it. Because I think I said this to Evan, like I believe it's one of the most foundational books in all of the New Testament regarding the gospel uh, as Paul breaks down a, a beautifully. Um, what the gospel is to the Roman. Well, it really so, is Paul's, not that we need to talk all about Romans this week, but it really is Paul's kind of systematic theology yes, where he works his way through everything. And it's so um, dense in a good way, Yes, but it's very much like it's it's 16 chapters, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in that 16 chapters, there's there's a lot to yeah. unpack. So yeah, it's, it's almost like Paul's trying to rapidly speak and share the gospel. Uh, it's almost like a preacher has too much content and tries to right. preach one message in 30 minutes, and he's just rapidly firing. So it's going to be a great week. That's two weeks from now. Enjoy the break next week. I know you'll miss our beautiful voices, but uh, we look forward to coming back in a couple weeks with a new podcast to drop for you. There you go. So this week, we are focusing on King Ahab. King Ahab. Who's a really great king. Yeah. Said no one ever. <laughs> so we I realized, because um, uh, we were talking about, like, you know, what should we do? And we've done, you know, Hezekiah yeah. and... Uh, I think Jehoshaphat. we try to take good kings typically. Yeah, and like so like... Good, decent, okay kings versus like we never really tackled a bad king. Like right. We did last year's we broke down the kings, but... Um, yeah, let's talk about... Let's talk about a bad let's king. Let's talk about Ahab, uh, who is, you know, 
one of the worst. We want everyone to feel better about themselves in but, comparison to Ahab's. Right. But he's also um, he's also very interesting. And this is yep. where I think, this is why I, I want to talk about him. Because there's some kings that, like, they're not interesting just because it's like, and then he began to rule, and he was super evil, and he sucked, and then he died. And that's kind of the story. Whereas Ahab has some intrigue about him. Um, and he has, as, as we'll see, some interesting moments of not being bad. So, but... Spoilers for the end. No, or, that's just a teaser. That's not te- a spoiler. That's the teaser. teaser. Uh, so stay tuned. One thing I didn't uh, realize until we started sitting down and studying for this one is how much chaos there was leading up to the reign of Ahab. Yeah, right. Um, so in in First Kings sixteen, uh, we get a picture of what the monarchy in Israel looks like. Um, to give you an idea of how chaotic it was, there's one king of Judah. His name is Asa. During the reign of King Asa, there were five kings in Israel. So, and Asa wasn't like king for super duper long. He was king for like, I think it was like 30 something years. So it wasn't short, yeah. but um, that's a lot of kings yes. to cycle through. A lot of turnover. And so uh, to get to the, there's a, there's a couple of kings. I think there's two kings in the beginning of Asa's reign. And then it's in the 26th year of the reign of Asa that things start to get interesting. So... Uh, in first Kings 16, eight through 10, and we're just going to kind of, we're going to be jumping sections, but this is all in first Kings 16. So it says this in the 26th year of Asa, the King of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha began to reign over Israel in Tizra or Terza. And he reigned two years, not a long time. Uh, but the, but his servant Zimri, the commander of half his chariots conspired against him when he was at Terza drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, who was over the household of Terza. Boy, these names are awesome. Zimri came in and struck him down and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah and reigned in his place. So there you go. Here's the king. He's, he's doing his thing and his commander kills him. So classic Zimri, as we say. Skipping forward a little bit. What a jerk. Yeah. Verse 15. In the 27th year of Asa, the king of Judah, Zimri reigned seven days in Terza, which if you thought two years was a short time. So, you know, that's a week if, in case you don't have seven days. Oh, yeah. Not very long. Uh, now the troops were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. And the troops were uh, who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and he has killed the king. Therefore, all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. So Omri went up from Gibbethon and all Israel with him and they, pres- and they besieged his ters- um, Terza, man. And when Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died. So he killed himself. He did. He let himself and on fire. Also, a little bit of just comeuppance because it just makes me think the roof is on fire. <laughs> let it burn. Such a stupid joke. Um, a little bit of Thank just comeuppance because he was a general who overthrew the king, and now a general overthrew him after seven yep. days. My favorite thing—I didn't put it in the notes, but I thought it was really funny when I was reading it—is that after that, it says. Um, you know how like at the end of every king and kings, it says now uh, for all the deeds are they not recorded in the book of the kings? Like, yeah. like what else? What like he reigns in seven, in seven days. days. Like what else is in this book of the kings that is so important? We need to find it. Apparently. So, That's hilarious. so if you want to know more I don't about. Know if I've ever picked up on that. Really, yeah. So I think at this point of kings, when I'm reading through it, I just kind of like zone out a little bit and my eyes do all the reading and my mind checks in, but totally checks out. So well, my, I'm, I'm always interested in it just because it's like. It's, it's weird to think that there's a whole book recording all the kings of Israel that we just don't have. Like, yeah. it just, it, we, it's lost to history. So, but yeah, apparently there's other things that happened in that week that Zimri was king. So yeah. there you go. 
Uh, but moving on to uh, verse 21, then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of them followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath, to Didn't make... they just make everyone join in and make Omri king? Listen, like, there's... That's the best part. There's like, some chaos going nah, on You here. know, Omri's not as good as we thought, so we're just going to split everyone in half. They drew a line. Like, dude, it's just funny. There you go. Um, to make him king and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri, or Omri, I don't know how you say it, overcame the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath. So Tibni died, and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel, and he reigned for 12 years. Six, he reigned at Terza. Hey, 12 years. Boom, look at you. He became a prepubescent teenager. So his his reign was a a middle schooler. Um, So yeah, that is the story. Omri. That is the story of the kings before Ahab. Omri is, or Omri is uh, Ahab's father, by the way. So that's why we're stopping there. Yes. And we're just kind of actually getting into it. But it's, called, it's what we call a professional segue. It is, it is interesting because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Judah was one continuous line from David, that it was always sons I, I or I do people believe in the that family. that was true. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Israel, you see there's a few different dynasties because there's the Jeroboam one. A massive branch, a massive tree with a bunch of branches. Yeah. What we just read is the ending of one of the dynasties. And then I think, is it Jeroboam or Jehu? I don't remember the names. I don't remember either. But anyway, there's another guy who overthrows the king. And so there's a, there's a bunch of different dynasties. A lot of chaos in Israel. Um, and a lot of... A lot of not worshiping God in the Northern Kingdom, which which comes up a lot in the the books of Kings and Chronicles. Mm-hmm. But there we go. And judges even. So after uh, after his father dies, Ahab uh, began his rule. And Aaron, if you want to uh, take away that yeah. next verse, First Kings sixteen twenty nine to thirty three says this: In the thirty eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel. This was the thirty eighth year of Asa's reign. Well done, Asa. Way to show how people took a long, Good work, Asa. Longevity and leadership. Uh, he began to reign over Israel, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as it had been, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of I can't even pronounce this one, Ethbaal, sure. king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. That's not a really good legacy line, just saying. Nope, but not after him. So, which... That's fair. For all the things, and here's the deal. I'm no apologist for Ahab. Ahab was a very bad king. Yeah, you're pro Ahab. You're on, team Ahab. On the bright side, he didn't worship Molech, who is the worst. <laughs> so he, it was just Baal and Asherah. From what we can tell, there were no, All at right. least there were no Good child job, sacrifices going on. So we've got, we've got that going for us. Um, okay. So Ahab is an interesting king because he, for the most part, he doesn't seem maliciously evil. Like some of the kings of Israel and and kings of Judah are just like the worst. Yeah, <laughs> like right? they just like they start reigning. Yeah, they're malicious. They're they're just evil. Yeah, Ahab seems more. Outward, I guess um, Ahab seems more weak. Yeah. than anything else. But that's a, a good way to put it. I think. Yeah, but but again, not um, not being an apologist for Ahab, it doesn't change the fact that in verse I think it's verse. Which one is it? Uh, the last verse, 33, where Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings who were before him. So 
even if we as humans wouldn't perceive it as like being actively evil, the weakness of Ahab and his inability to lead the people back to God still angered God yeah. just as much as some of the other kings of Israel who were, uh, uh, I guess we would call it more uh, directly evil. Yeah. Um, another interesting contrast is the political, um, I'll put this in quotes, but political greatness of Ahab. Um, Israel was at peace with Judah for the entirety of his reign, which is not something that would always happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, he made a bunch of foreign alliances, which we talked about in the Jehoshaphat episode, but mm-hmm. um, they were all those were all worked out pretty well yeah. for the Northern Kingdom. Um, and his military campaigns, um, well, two out of the three were successful. And then if you remember back to our Jehoshaphat episode, he gets killed in the last one because he's like, hey, Jehoshaphat, wear my armor and pretend that you're the king and I'm just going to be a normal guy. And then he gets a, an arrow because that's what he deserves. It's funny because it makes me like... He had really great alliance. I think he was really, you know, he may not have been maliciously evil, but dude, he was cunning. Like knowing some of the different right. contexts and the, like even that manipulative, like, hey, you wear the armor. I'm going to be a normal guy um, as like a deceitful way of protecting himself. Um, there, there's got to be some cunningness, some uh, not, man, it's, I'm trying to think of something like a comparison, a modern day comparison. Um, but I just think there's like a lot of, like super malicious deceit. Sure. Um, and so he may not have been outwardly evil, but I think he was very politically mischievous. I might be a better way to say it. Um, but just remembering some of the things about Ahab's story, it's like, yeah, there's some, there's some darkness there for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it totally makes sense. Like he wasn't, he may not have been the guy that's like, kill all the kids, but he could have, but he very well could have been the guy that, okay, eh, that's fine. And he sidesteps politically so that with these alliances. Sure. So it's interesting. Well, and I think like when you – like if a, if this was just a history book, right? So we're not talking about the spiritual um, mm. history of God's people. I think Ahab would be remembered as like a pretty good king. And that's what's kind of interesting about it. That like, is interesting. So like because if um, – the reason we remember him as being bad is because he – led the people of Israel even further away from God, which yeah. is why he clearly angers God. But when you look at it from just a political standpoint, he was fine. Like it's just one of the, it's just one of those interesting things about how um when we take away that one aspect of how we're looking at which is the most important aspect, yeah. mind oh, you. Oh for sure. But, yeah. but it, it is interesting to think to conquest. Because some of the other really evil kings of Israel are like they were evil and they went away from the Lord and also they led him into wars and got conquered and stuff mm. like that. So yeah. That's interesting. So there you go. Uh, let's... I almost would rather have like a bold face in my face evil king than an evil king like Ahab. There you go. Like, let me just know you're evil. Just act evil. <laughs> we can, don't we, be. We can just leave. Because I, I really like, and I don't know if I've ever thought of Ahab this way before, um, but I do feel like there's just this, man, I don't even know how to say it, man. Like there's just this, um, like... In the shadows, just lurk like this evil, mischievous, um, cunning, deceitful individual, like a Grima worm tongue um, from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was great a great example, though. There's but... a Lord of the Rings reference. We haven't done that in a while. Man. I know you got to you got to work one in once in a while. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, I just think that there's a such a weird like man, like it's almost like you're lulled into sleep um, by how good he is politically, but behind closed doors, he's just just. Just evil. Not a great guy. Also, um, boy, Jezebel's rough. Oh, bro. <laughs> so if t- don't do- uh, Listen, we're not even on an episode of Jezebel. Parents, don't <laughs> name your daughters Jezebel. I always think it's funny that Delilah makes it into like, like I know people named Delilah, mm-hmm. which is like, 
don't, like, hey, remember that prostitute that got Samson to cut off all of this? It's just weird. Um, but Jezebel is even like a step above that. Of yeah. being, like, I've never, I've ever heard the name Jezebel. Never met a Jezebel. Not a great name. Um, but anyway, if, if you've heard of Ahab, um, it's most likely in connection with Elijah. Um, yes. Elijah being very famous prophet, um, definitely the most famous prophet who doesn't have a book named after him. Um, and most of his ministry is spent running away from Ahab, um, or more accurately, and Jezebel, because Jezebel, <laughs> Jezebel kind of like, I'm going to kill you. And this is where I, this is where it gets into, um, I think the weakness of Ahab is it, and it's, it kind of reminds me of, um. Herod Agrippa is the one who killed John the Baptist or yes. Antipas. I don't remember which one, but one of them, Herod anyway, something. one of the Herods. Um, anyway, it, it reminds me of the sense of like, I don't think Ahab like actively hates Elijah and I could be wrong on that. No, but I just think his wife does. Exactly. And he's, and he's so weak and he won't stand up to her. He's like, oh yeah, let's, let's go kill that guy. He makes me, he makes me mad or whatever yeah. it is. Oh, it's almost uh, one of those things like, yeah, do whatever you want. Wife, go like, yeah, have him killed. I'm fine. Whatever. And it reminds me of like the, um, the Herod, I'm just going to call him Agrippa, even if that's not the right one. Yeah. But, uh, when, uh, his, his daughter's like, I would like the head of John the Baptist. And he's like, oh, well, okay. Like, like well, and he didn't even want to. Right. He he promised her something because he was, for lack of better words, entertained by her. Right. I'll give you anything you want. Oh, Herod. Uh, how easy it is for guys to fall in the, the trap of whatever you want. Your uh, own stepdaughter. But yeah, right, gross. Um, but then he, he didn't even want to. Because again, I don't think I don't think he hated John the Baptist. I think he was annoyed that he got called out <laughs> for marrying right. his brother's wife, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after his brother died. But uh, I don't think he really wanted to kill John the Baptist and she was just, she held a grudge and she was angry and she's like, I want him dead. And mm-hmm. Herod would have nothing to do with it. And, all and, ma- and maybe we're giving too much credit to Ahab and Herod. That's completely possible. But that's just kind of like my perception reading yeah. it is that it's it's more their weakness, which yeah. leads to evil than actual. I'd be, cur- I'd be curious to compare the two. That'd be interesting to do. Yeah. Compare Herod with... With Ahab. Anyways. Anyway. Because there's a lot of similarities. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, Back to Ahab. that's why we do the podcast. And Jezebel. Uh, so anyways, one of those things, um, Elijah's whole ministry is talking to the people of the northern kingdom and saying, mm-hmm. turn back to God. Um, and Ahab is, very, and we saw it in the beginning, like he's he's very much into Baal worship. He's very much in uh, to the worship of Asherah. Uh, he's constructing these these monuments to them. So he's he's very much leading the people astray and Elijah's calling him out on that. So again, not trying to be an apologist for Ahab. He's doing yeah. very evil things here. Yeah. Um, there's there's a, a bunch of famous encounters between the two, but I'm just going to talk about the two most famous, yes. um, what is what I would call them. So the first one would be Elijah versus the prophets of Baal. 450 is, of them to be exact. Oh, this part, this, this is such a great story. Dude, it is. So, um, but a, then it has such a tragic ending with right. Elijah. So, yeah. Anyways. That's true. So Elijah's, again, his ministry is just convincing the people to turn to God. I believe there's a famine at this point. It might be a different story that I'm mixing it up with. Um, I don't know if there's a famine at this point. There might not be. But there's one coming. He challenges the prophets of Baal oh. to... Um, no, I think you're right. Think I'm right? Yeah, because there hasn't been rain. Right. And that's part of this storyline. Because when he runs away from after... They're still in the drought. Yeah. And, the and it rains. And it's it rains so hard that the uh, Ahab's chariot, right? Gets stuck in the mud. Oh, yeah. That could be it. Anyway, sorry, guys. Sorry. This, is, this is really this is great podcasting. We don't actually read the... The passage to remind ourselves, because we do most of it from memory, which is bad. So. How dare you? Um, so anyways, in, 
And uh, so Ahab, not Ahab, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to basically a a God off for lack of a better word. Um, It's like a dance off, but with two gods. Exactly. Or one God and one false God. So uh, in first Kings 18, 20 to 24, and we're actually going to skip around and read a couple of passages here. Um, It says, so Ahab sent to all of the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all of the people saying, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. How could you answer a word to that? That's well, such it's a challenging statement. Well, it also reminds me of the uh, the Joshua statement yeah. of choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. And if it's not the Lord, so be it. But me and my house, that's for me and my house will serve the Lord. Yeah. Exactly. But it's one of those things like, oh, if I'm if I'm one of the Israelite people and I'm following my king's what his model, if I'm modeling after my king, and then I'm told like, stop limping between two opinions, which is a powerful statement in and of itself. Right. I don't know what I'm going to say to that. Like, whoops. Yeah. A cow, a tail between my legs. My ears are flat. Like I, I feel like a, a dog in trouble almost. So the old Testament is nothing if not cyclical where uh, you'll see a part. I think all of history is anyways. Yeah. Well, no, you're not wrong, but there's, Every part of the Old Testament, you can connect and reminds you of other parts of the Old mm-hmm. Testament. Um, and I mean the Bible as a whole, but particularly yeah. with this cycle of like running away from God and God yep. raising up prophets yeah. and judges and stuff. Um, so moving forward, then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bowls be given to us and let them choose one bowl for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the, uh, and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. It is well spoken. It is. I have spoken. (laughs) What he says is true. Uh, Okay, so moving forward uh, to verse 36. And at the time of the offering of obligation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done these things at your word. Um, Really quick, just to remind, because I realized we skipped a whole section there. Uh, the prophets of Baal spent hours trying to get the thing to light hours. on fire. It didn't work. They were hurting themselves. They were like, in God, Elijah was mocking him in the process. Maybe your God's on the bath. Like, dude, it was, it's, yeah. an, it's an epic story. I love sarcasm in the Bible. And Elijah's just basically like, oh, maybe, maybe Baal's on the toilet, guys. Yeah. You might want to wait a bit. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe yeah. you should shout louder and wake him up. Oh, it's great stuff. Anyway, so this is when Elijah's ready to uh, to show the people who, you know, who the one true God is. Yep. Uh, answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Yeah, so Elijah made it even more complicated for God to start the fire by dumping and dousing in a water to yep. fill up a trench that was built all the way around the altar. That's why it says it licked up the water in the trench. Just and this is one thing I love about and clarity. Yeah, this is one thing I love about what Elijah does is there's no part of him that's... um. There's no part, there's, there's, he's not being a showman right now. Because yeah. um, it, it reminds me of the um, um, the Moses story with um, striking the rock, where God mm-hmm. tells him to do something, and Moses kind of takes some of the glory for himself by making a big show of it and like, ah, and hitting it with a, you know, that whole sort you of thing. You mean the second time? Second time. When he got in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. It's because he was mad too. So there you go. Um, whereas with Elijah, he's very much conscious of this is, this is God's glory. This yeah. is not my glory. And so I think that's, you know, that's a helpful thing to keep in mind as well. 
Uh, and when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. So that's the end. They're all dead. He yeah. beat 450 prophets. Like Aaron it said. It makes me wonder what the prophets were doing when he was killing them. Like, no. Just sitting there. I guess it's my turn. Like, I mean, I guess I, I, guess I yeah. failed. Who knows? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, just funny. What we do know is that Jezebel, not happy about this. No, she's mad. So, she threatens to kill Elijah. Right after, and Aaron alluded to this. It has a really bummer ending because Elijah is forced to run away uh, for a, a pretty significant period of yeah. time. And Jezebel's hunting him um, with obviously with Ahab's consent, he's allowing this to happen. And what what should have been this turning point in the religious history of the yep. Northern Kingdom instead is just kind of it's a blip. Yep. So it's a it's an unfortunate tragedy. And I want I mean this is totally open handed conjecture. I wonder if that's maybe what made God the most angry with the reign of Ahab is that he gave him this moment to hmm. turn the people back. And he didn't take it. Interesting. So again, that, that's just conjecture. Could totally be yeah. wrong, but I just thought about that. It's interesting. Um, the second story we're going to talk about is Ahab and Naboth. Naboth. I don't know how you pronounce his name, um, but this one just makes Ahab look like a really petulant child. So it's it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting. Um, but in our in our second story, uh, Ahab wants to buy a vineyard from a man named Naboth. Um, apparently, this was an awesome vineyard. He's walking around; it's right next to the palace, and he's like, "Dude, great vineyard! What do you want for it?" And Naboth's like, "Nah, I don't really want to sell it." And Ahab's like, "No, dude, I'm going to give you a great price. I'm going to pay you way more than it's worth." Which is which was apparently his intention. He's not being tricky here. He's just kind of like, "Hey, yeah, he just really wants the piece of land." Yeah. And Naboth's like, no, like it's, you know, runs in the family, don't really want to sell it. Like, but thank you though. And so Ahab goes home um, and he just like mopes. Oh, he sulks. <laughs> like, he's super sad. It reminds me of uh, my my child when she doesn't get what she wants. There you go. It reminds me of me when I don't get what I want sometimes. Yeah. But, super uh, pouty, super whiny. So Ahab Ahab's doing this whole thing. Um, and this is where Jezebel steps in and. It, it turns it from this being kind of like a bummer for Ahab to being like a really like tragic story. So, uh, Jeze but Jezebel, his wife, this is first Kings 21, five through 14. Uh, but Jezebel, his wife came to him and said, why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he Later, said, I have this picture of him slouched in his chair, like picking at his food and not really eating it. Cause he's just <laughs> throwing a fit. I like it. Uh, he says, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders of the leaders who lived in Naboth with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying, you cursed God and the king, take him out and stone him to death. And the men of the city and the elders of, uh, and the leaders who lived in the city did as Jezebel had sent word to them. And it was written in the letters that she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. 
So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. So, geez, Ahab, Jezebel, what the heck? It wasn't even Ahab. So, I mean. And this is where you really get the picture of Ahab being a weak king. Right. He he mopes. He's a child. He's He mopes. He doesn't. But how many of us operate in the same mentality sometimes when we don't get what we want? Um, but there is this tension where you see Ahab is this weak, passive, um, selfish individual who, who only does what he wants and does what's convenient. And it, it's almost like his wife is the one who rules the roost and Jezebel takes charge and puts stuff in his name. And, and all the while he turns a blind eye to it. Like he knows that this isn't legit and right and it's actually not righteous. And so, right. but he's just like, oh, okay, I get what I want. Awesome. Like, and like, he's been married to Jezebel long enough to know, like, it's probably, yeah. Like when she's like, I'm going to get this for you. She manipulated him to marry her. Like, maybe, I don't know. Like he just feels like he's in power because of her. And really it's, she's ruling the roost and. He's just a puppet. So. Oh, man. Weak, weak Ahab. But this is kind of the last straw. Um, Elijah goes before them and he's basically like, hey, um, paraphrasing here, you're both going to die really soon. God's done. Yep. Um, Ahab, you're going to die in battle, which is kind of like bummer. Um, Jezebel is even like is way more harsh because oh, it's, it's like you're going to get like, I don't remember if he actually prophesies that she's going to get thrown from a building, but that's what happens. But I think the, he does. So the prophecy is that her, like, she's not going to get buried and she's going to be like eaten by dogs. And that's going to be like exactly what, what happens, happens to her body. So, um, yeah, God not happy with Jezebel. Nope. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but what's really interesting is what happens after Elijah proclaims that. Um, and so in 1 Kings 21, and this is t- verses 25 through 29. I totally forgot about this passage. Isn't it? Yeah. We, we never talk about it with Ahab. It's, hmm. it's interesting. Um, so I'm going to start with 25 through 26, which is kind of just like the writer of Kings putting in his own aside. Yeah, in parentheses. Or, yep. And then it goes into what Ahab did. So in verse 25, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord, like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. So just so we don't forget, Ahab has done some incredibly evil things. But then this happens. Uh, and when Ahab heard these words, this is these, verse 27. Yeah, these are the words of Elijah that he spoke and prophesying over them. Uh, he tore his clothes and he put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and he went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days, I will bring disaster upon his house. And so... I totally forgot about that. Isn't it weird though? Because we always like... That's that's why I picked Ahab because he's he's such an interesting person. There's part of me that's kind of annoyed by it, but on the other hand, I'm really just like, okay, God, your grace is never ending like there's yeah. never an end to your grace and second chances so. and it's not like a full like okay ahab you get to reign now but it's definitely like okay like it's not going to be as terrible yeah as i talked about like the yeah. fall of your house isn't going to happen in your lifetime you're going to live to see you know not very much longer but uh ahab's and that's what i was saying like ahab's death is much more um fitting of the king than Jezebel's. Yeah, so, and you can kind of see God's mercy in that. And it, it, it does make me wonder like, you know, how genuine was Ahab's repentance? Um, I think it was obviously genuine here because God reverses yeah, what yeah. he said. Um, but I do wonder like in the final days of Ahab, does he really kind of turn back to God or is it more just like, 
he's just sad about what he's done. And 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 this is where I think um one of the things I've been I've been reading about a lot that's been really um helpful and kind of understanding in joke. not in joke, surprisingly. <laughs> um but uh, if you're new to the podcast, Evan's been on this Job kick lately uh, where he's just been studying the book of Job, multiple different commentaries. And so I think over the last like three or four podcasts, even a message he preached recently was about Job. It's good stuff. Um, so he he find, he doesn't find ways, but it just comes back around in some of the context and overlay. So yeah. um, so that's why I said in Job. Well, I think, so I, think I got the idea from one of the commentaries, but it's more, it's, it's not, it doesn't have anything to it's do with Job. Job specific. Yeah, exactly. But it's in light of your studying of Job. Um, but the, the idea is basically, I think we as monotheists today. And what that means is we believe there's one, one God, God yeah. right? Um, and that's kind and of the, that's the norm. Um, for so many in Israel, I, it's not necessarily that Ahab was like, we don't worship the Lord anymore. It's more of the fact that he um, promoted worship of the other gods yeah. and he relegated Yahweh yeah. down to being just one of the gods yeah. that Israel that's worships. Good. That's true. And so, and that's where I think it's kind of like, um, I wonder if his repentance at the end is, is kind of a realization that... Um, I've messed up. Yeah, that Yahweh is the one true God, or at, at the very least, he is the the God above the other gods. Yeah, that's, and that's a really good point, man. I think, I mean, that goes back to his weakness and his passive, passivity, where I think in that weakness, he's more concerned with the approval uh, of, of people. He's more con- concerned with... And so in being weak, he just wants people to like him, love him, support him, serve him, be you know, celebrate him as king. And in doing so is when he yields to Baal, which is the greatest sin, having another idol. Right. Now, I don't know if his heart was bent towards Baal right out the gate, but I think it was done more out of an accommodation, especially for Jezebel, because that's the god that she worshipped was Baal. Well, her, her dad's name was Ur-Baal or whatever it yeah. was. It's got Baal in the name. Yeah. So, so there is this. So you almost see this is where you see the weakness magnified and almost brought into crystal clear focus in the sense that he... I don't know if he ever gave up on the faith of his childhood and what he grew up in, in God monotheistic God, you know, God, the creator. Right. Um, but it was this, okay. And this is, I mean, this is what an epidemic in our culture, those who grow up in church, like they believe in God, but it's, are they really committed or are they kind of serving other things right. in other areas? Which, I mean, that in and of itself is much a deeper conversation, but um, putting it, like, I think that brings a lot of clarity to like, huh, like, okay, that makes total sense. And I would even say like, dude, I do think his, his repentance was, was genuine and sincere and authentic. Um, and I mean, for God to even say to Elijah, have you seen how he humbled himself before me? Uh, it's almost this drawing back right. of like, oh, Lord, I've missed it. I mean, how many times have I had to do that in my lives in different moments? Um, and I'm, I guarantee I'm still going to have to. <laughs> uh, but I think that there is for me, like, I'm like, man, that that makes me kind of like, oh, I kind of like Ahab now. Well, and, and I what, like the end of Ahab's life, not the, not right. the whole life. But. And wouldn't it be interesting if on the other side of eternity, Ahab's there in heaven? Right. That would just be weird. <laughs> but I mean, it's possible. Yeah. So, um, and it's one of those things that it's, if that is the truth, like, dude, there's part of me that's like, I'm celebrating and rejoicing in God's grace yeah. and his, his response, his repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that I think is so big. And it, it takes a lot of, it takes a very strong man who's not weak to come to the point of revelation and realization and repent. Right. Like that's, that's the other side of it. So you almost see like a full redemptive narrative in Ahab's life right here in this, that statement. So, uh, although not to sell too much on this full redemptive narrative, narrative, his last yeah, act yeah. is to uh, convince Jehoshaphat <laughs> to wear his armor to try and trick him into getting killed. So, um, was that really what he did though? I mean, that's how I interpret it, I guess. I don't know. Man. But cause I, for me, I just see it's like, he's trying to protect himself. 
Right. And not get Jehoshaphat killed. Well, that's true. But he's he's putting he's intentionally putting Jehoshaphat in more danger. But did Jehoshaphat protect wear his him. armor? I thought that's what I read. That he wore I the thought, armor of the king. Yeah, I don't know now. Could be wrong. I'll have to go back and read it. But we haven't we have the Jehoshaphat episode was a while ago. Yeah. Um okay. You so, think we'd remember by now. Anyways. <laughs> so it's, yeah, final, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. So final thing, Ahab's legacy. Um on our scale of like bad good great kings ahab's in the bad king Absolutely. category so it's unfortunate with, but yeah. it's so true even with his ending like repentance and things like yeah. boy he really <laughs> messed up the country a lot yep um but like we talked about um he he is an interesting he's an interesting For character sure. um and he's not maybe like as maliciously evil as some of the other kings but um Ultimately, it was his weakness and his inability to stand up both to his wife and to his people yeah. um, at different points that just continued to lead um, the northern kingdom well. yeah. yeah, away from God, which is ultimately why he's a bad king, um, Not should not be remembered as one of the great kings yeah. of Israel. So. He didn't stand according to the convictions he had. There you go. If he even had them. And that is our episode on King Ahab. I actually like talking about yeah, a bad was, king. That was, that was interesting. interesting. So I, I don't well, know it's what a bad it is. King, but... king who had a really good moment. Right. If we just talk about a bad king who has no good moments, then it's like, why are we talking about this? I forgot about whatever yeah, Josiah's really dad's good. name was, but that guy, that yeah. guy was pretty rough. Yeah. Or was his son? I don't remember. Sure. Anyway, anyway uh, I forgot his name. So we're just gonna go ahead and wrap it up yeah, there. So good. Uh, do us a favor, leave us a review, uh, preferably of the five star variety on whatever app you're listening on. But it just helps to get the podcast out there to more people, um, and kind of just grow this yeah. community of people reading the Bible a together. Insight to to reviews. It has it has nothing to do with our egos or our desire to have a five star. It has everything to do with algorithms. It has everything to do with ratings, which then is it becomes more accessible or seen by more people. And if you enjoy listening to the podcast and shoving in some of those or sending and not shoving, shoving, sending in some of those questions, um, it just, it just helps increase the community right. of individuals who are reading the Bible together as we discuss together well, too. So it is that's fun the point of a review. Yeah. We're located in Washington state, but it is really fun because we can look and see where All people are place. listening. Yeah. It's fun to be able to see different communities popping up in different places. Kentucky, Australia, yeah, all around the country, all around the world. And yeah. you know, the English speaking countries. people from France. There you go. They speak French, but bonjour. <laughs> Uh, anyway, love with all that being said, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our resources on our website at totally check them out. Dot church. See you in two weeks. Yeah, have a great day.